Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome again to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm Liz Loza and I am joined by Dalton Del Don. Dalton, did you have a good weekend? What'd you do on National Draft Day? Uh, I didn't do a whole lot. I, I hung around the house. I got a sick uh, one-and-a-half-year-old right now dealing with a fever. So I wish I had a crazy, awesome story, but uh, frankly, mine was boring. What about yours? Hey, you're the one with the awesome draft stories of late. <laughs> they are awesome, though. I have to admit, I woke up – well, my children, let's be honest, woke me up at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday morning, and I was like, yes, it's hashtag NDD. Let's do this. I started mocking immediately. Felt like I crushed my mock, which uh, very quickly thereafter went into – my home league's draft, and this is the this is the league that I discovered and fell in love with fantasy football in. So I've always had a chip on my shoulder since coming into the industry when when playing in this league. And <laughs> the tricky thing is now everybody knows my rankings. Everybody in the league knows who quote my guys are, and they all make a point of boarding those and sniping me at every turn. So while I thank them in the long run because it makes me a better player since I have to remain flexible and move on the fly, I'm always really pissed. For like perfect example, how long have I been pounding the table for Matt Stafford? I'll feel like all summer. Like this guy is an incredible value, eighth yep. round, wait on QB. My stinking husband who I have mock draft mock drafted with to help him prep for other leagues uh had the three spot and I had the four spot that fool took Jamison Crowder ahead of me he took Matt Stafford ahead of me all of my guys and I was really ticked by the end of it and I think my team is okay but definitely not what I was aiming to do so you know what that means Drafts don't win fantasy championships. Working the waiver wire does. So I'm happy with a lot of the pieces, but it does mean I'm probably going to have to roll up my sleeves and work that waiver wire. I'm okay with it, though. I hear you, though. I, I have a home league where I enter the, the, the house, and often uh, most of the people there have my cheat sheets just sitting there, even if they don't going to use them. You know, it's just that they're aware of my ranking. So, you know what? I kind of like that in a way it forces you to draft players, and otherwise, maybe you don't have in your portfolio. So I hear you, though. It can be frustrating for sure. Yes, as Jarvis Landry would say, they're just blessing us. He's bless them, bless them. Yeah. So that's what's going that's on. It. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, I want all of you to know that the Yahoo Fantasy Sports podcast or the Yahoo Sports Net podcast network is blessed with many podcasts 
the Yahoo Sports College podcast, for instance, featuring Dan Wetzel, Pat Forty, and Pete Famel. We also have the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast, which is which features Therese Paler and Charles Robinson. And both of those podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts. Oh, and I can't forget the Yahoo Sports MLB podcast, which is the OG of the Yahoo Sports podcast network. And thank you for joining the Yahoo Sports fantasy podcast. All those Yahoo Sports combinations are a, are a bit of a tongue twister, but you know who will not get tongue-tied? I doubt Brad and Matt Harmon, who are going to deliver their top preseason observations, hitting on a few key players. Gracias, amiga. Brad Evans here alongside the master of the reception perception, Matthew Harmon, and we're going to talk preseason week three winners, Mr. Harmon, and of course, it's your mandatory Royce Freeman update. <laughs> we have to talk about him because he has scored a, another touchdown. Uh, three weeks, three games, three scores for the pride of the University of Oregon. I cannot speak objectively about Royce Freeman. My love is deep. Uh, it's unabashed. Uh, it's a little bit disturbing. I think uh, you may have to get a restraining order out of me here in the greater Denver area in short order. <laughs> But, I mean, he looks like the main man right now in the Mile High City, though Devontae Booker is still getting some action with the ones. Philip Lindsay as well, one of the standouts in training camp. What are your general thoughts about Royce Freeman, and when is it too rich to take him in a 12-team draft? So I'll just tell you this, Brad. Uh, my sister was – my younger sister was texting me during her draft. I hope none of her league mates are listening to this because she was trying to be very sneaky about it. Uh, apparently it was, it was a, like one of the rules whenever – my name was mentioned. Somebody had to take a shot uh, during, the, <laughs> <laughs> during the draft. Do we know what of, kind of shot it was, Harmon? I, I don't know, but maybe a mix of uh, a few different things. But so, ba <laughs> so basically, she she texted me. She said, "All right, I've taken Royce Freeman in the third round." And I was wow. like, "Wait, what the hell? Have you listen, been listening to Brad Evans over me?" So <laughs> I made her double back and take Stefan Diggs in the fourth, just to even things out. Um, so third, let me just say, I was a little shocked by that. That's too rich for my blood. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that there are several players in the fourth round that I would rather take over him if we're exclusively talking running backs. And I really haven't been, I've been trying to avoid taking running backs in that spot. So fifth round, I kind of feel very good about taking Royce Freeman there. But the problem is like, that was his old price. Now with this boost, he's got in the preseason, he's pretty much a fourth round pick. And I feel like I'm, again, I'm not buying at that cost. So I think I'm going to be leaving Freeman to you. Uh, Royce Freeman's ADP currently in drafts conducted on MFL 10s over the last five days. 48.8, that is RB23. I think round four is his ceiling. You know, I, and yeah. I, look, I'm his biggest advocate, and I think it's extending that go-go gadget R and requires services in round three because Vance Joseph is a giant ninny hammer. He just yeah. doesn't understand that, look, I need to feed the Jordan Howard or the Rockies here and get him to the Rock, you know, 15 to 20 times per game. Maybe he'll have that epiphany week one against Seattle. Uh, but I still think Royce Freeman in line for around 12 to 1,300 combined yards, 30, 35 receptions, eight touchdowns. I think that's very attainable for him. So if you believe that, then he's worth every bit of a round four pick in a 12-team draft. Let's move on from a uh, young rusher to another young rusher, actually, and Kenyon Drake. He looks like the only guy that's doing anything for this Miami Dolphins offense as a whole. Although Danny Amendola made a little bit of noise catching a touchdown. Kenny Stills, who I know you're rather high on, uh, continues to raise his profile. But Drake, man, we got to love the Drake, right? I mean, he's got to lead this team, this RBBC, in total touches, correct? 
Oh my God, please, Miami, just let Kenyon Drake be great. Um, he <laughs> yeah. was a guy who was far and away one of one of the most impressive backs end last season. You know, no matter what statistic you look at, one of my favorite running back elusiveness statistics is the next gen stats yards gained after close, which I was doing a lot of mm. work with with the NFL before coming over and joining the family here at Yahoo. He was a guy who, you know, paced the league, averaged 4.76 yards gained after defenders get caught within one yard of him. So that not just measures contact moves, but also elusiveness moves. I think he's a guy that could really be a feature back if they allow him to be. Now, I don't know if he's going to get that type of workload, but he is a guy, I mentioned that running back kind of wasteland where I haven't wanted to pick guys in that fourth round range. He's someone I've been willing to take a chance on there because I think he does give you explosive week potential, pass catching potential, uh, and there is feature back upside, though I, I tend to think that Miami is not going to allow it to happen. 37 flat is his average rap position. That's RB19, according again to those drafts conducted on MFL Tanza last week. I, I am in complete agreement with you on Kenyon Drake. Feed the man! Adam Gates, yeah. don't get too cute here with Frank Gore. I know it's a homecoming. Caleb Balage is absent. I'm not even sure he's going to make the team, to be honest with you, based upon all the missteps that he's had. But just to back up, some more advanced analytics based on what you were saying. He led all NFL running backs at qualified in yards after contact per attempt, according to Pro Football Focus last season. Number four in yards created per carry, which kind of you know solidifies exactly what you were preaching with that next-gen stat that you were tracking from the NFL. Uh, a guy that just gets it done across the board, can catch the ball fluidly, excellent in pass protection as well. I've got him pegged for close to 1,200 combined yards, 43 catches, and seven total touchdowns. You think that's reachable, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think so. Again, I just hope that Miami feeds him uh, in the pass game and the rush game. The problem, only problem with Miami is that they are a very slow offense. They've been bottom five in plays run in every single year that Adam Gase has been uh, the coach there. So it's not a prolific offense. Don't need me to tell you that. But yeah, he's definitely a gamble worth taking. And remember, he did all of that last season behind the worst ranked offensive line, according to a couple of sites that measure run right. blocking efficiency. So remarkable production for him. Ah, uh, the Crypt Keeper has opened up the sarcophagus, uh, Matthew Harmon, because Adrian <laughs> Peterson is registering a pulse. Uh, he is not looking like a rotten corpse. Uh, 11 carries for 56 yards in his Washington debut. Only forced one missed tackle. Uh, 2.5 yards after contact per attempt. It's rather pedestrian. But you've been kind of, you know, banging the drum a little bit here for an AP or AD. I know people get upset about the whole nickname thing. Revival. Are you still on that bandwagon? Is he going to be the Washington running back to own, at least in the intermediate uh, you know, season of the short season upcoming. Yeah, I think I still want to draft Chris Thompson ahead of him, um, but he's not really even a running back, you know. So just just to, just talking about these early down backs, I mean, it's no question to me that Peterson is going to be the guy. You know, Clinton Portis was interviewing him on the sideline, and he was banging the drum for that this is going to be the starting running back. And you don't bring in Adrian Peterson to be a part-time player unless you're the Saints. Uh, so, <laughs> to, to, so to me, I, I, I love Peterson as like an eighth, ninth round pick. You know, if he stays there, I think he's got a shot at top, 25 upside in you know non PPR formats or even half PPR formats because you know Brad I, I'm a talent a running back talent agnostic uh, is what I like to call myself I, I prefer to just look at situations offenses run blocking etc and then leave you know running back talent to smarter people than me uh, I don't really care how good Peterson is anymore and he did look good uh, the other night in the preseason but to me this is a good offense it's an awesome offensive line when healthy yep. I, I think he's going to just be a, a real effective late round pick. He's someone that no matter what draft I'm in right now, 
if I've started running back heavy, if I've started wide receiver heavy, I'm looking to target Adrian Peterson in the eighth, ninth round, and it feels wow. as disgusting as imaginable to say that. Yeah, I think I would need to take a shower, uh, maybe multiple ones, if I drafted Adrian Peterson in round eight or round nine. I'm not buying into that. You do look at Washington's uh, you know, uh, upcoming schedule here to begin the season, first three weeks, because they have an early buy in week four at Arizona. Indianapolis, you got to be salivating at the prospects of that yeah, matchup. Yeah. Week number two at home in Green Bay should be an improved Packers defense. Still some question marks there, a defensive line at home in week number three. I don't know, man. Uh, I, I will say this. If he goes out and explodes and shows vintage uh, purple Jesus form those first three weeks, I'm selling high. So be careful with Adrian Peterson. Fair. The success rate's not exactly attractive if you follow a lot of yeah. Warren Sharp's analytics that are out there. Keelan Cole looks like he could be the lead man, maybe, in Jacksonville after Marquise Lee suffered a look like a catastrophic knee injury. We're not really sure what the extent of that is, but you're a big fan of Cole. Tell me why. Yeah, by the time people are listening to this, we'll probably have more information on Marquise Lee's injury, but it did not look good. And I think even before Lee went down that Keelan Cole might be the best receiver on this roster. Uh, he led the team in receiving yards last year. A big play guy. I've heard from people in Jacksonville that he's probably going to run some routes out of the slot in three wide receiver formations. That's exciting news. Um, I've talked all offseason about how re slot receiver routes are very valuable in terms of just more separation, less tight window targets. You're not going to run into a bunch of press coverage. And to me, Keelan Cole's just a real, real good wide receiver. Um, you know, it's it's not like you're going to boost him too far up the board because this is still Jacksonville's passing offense. But I think this is a guy who could hit 100 targets right now. And I love taking that bet in the, you know, late late rounds i'm i'm drafting keelan cole wherever i can after this injury has definitely created opportunity for to me a, a better talent yeah definitely the volume uh, opportunity is certainly there and that's what we always preach it's all about a path to opportunity keelan cole certainly has that i also like dd westbrook a lot uh, a guy that oh, come uh, on brad no i'm a fan D. D. of dd is not a thing no he's not a thing well we'll find out I mean, it's a it's a jumble <laughs> it's a jumbled mess down there in north florida and the other thing we got to consider here is the inaccuracy of blake bortles as right. keelan cole was wide receiver 76 in catchable target rate last year so that needs to improve uh one last note uh patrick mahomes over under on pass attempts this year i'm going to set it at 9999.5 what do you take seriously it's like the magic ingredient for fantasy success an explosive offense with a lot of big play potential and then just a horrific defense i know chiefs fans will get upset anytime you tweet this out because well we're just playing second teamers you know not everybody's out there but dude this defense is not good uh they're going to be in a lot of shootouts and my only note on this Looking at the preseason target distribution for Patrick Mahomes, number one is Tyreek Hill with 14 targets. Number two is Travis Kelsey with eight, mm. then Sammy Watkins with seven, Kareem Hunt with five, and you know the rest is riffraff from there. Tyreek Hill, I mean, I've been a little hesitant to draft him at cost this year, and I think I still am, but it's clear Patrick Mahomes really likes throwing to him, and, and I don't blame him. I mean, I've been saying all offseason, I, I like Sammy Watkins, but Hill's clearly the best receiver on this team. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, 15 right now at average drafts, 128.9. We also like the higher floor because he's an opportunistic runner, probably going to surpass 300 rushing yards this season. A perfect storm is gathering in Kansas City with that permeable defense. And Kansas City, though, will be challenged, uh, particularly downfield, against that rigid secondary, the Los Angeles Chargers, week number one. But I still like Mahomes as a backing QB1 in 12-team leagues this year. Great stuff, Harmon. Back to you, Miss Loza. Well, thank you, Brad and Matt. Big surprise, Dalton. Brad Evans still high on Royce Freeman.
Yes, of course. You know, I, I'm, I moved up Keelan Cole quite, quite aggressively. How about yourself? I have moved him. Well, I will have moved him when I get to my rankings, but I was drowning in National Draft Day and children all weekend. So by the time this pod is out, he will have moved up in my rankings. Sure. But okay, so it's hard sometimes to get excited for things, especially when you work in football, because you're most excited about the season starting. But for many people in the country, they're getting excited about new shows that are premiering on television for the fall. I mean, this is a cyclical thing, especially for people who like their broadcast television. There are two shows in particular. Dalton, you've admitted to watching a lot of TV. So I want to know Magnum P.I., the reboot starring Jay Hernandez. Any feels or are you excited about it at all? It's funny because I just uh, uh, made a comment to my wife when I saw that commercial for the first time last night. And I said, I, really, uh, the star of the show does not have the iconic uh, mustache. So that, that was just my first instinct was, I don't know, man, without the mustache, I don't know if I'm going to give it a chance. All right. So you're so you're lukewarm about it. And for those of you who don't know, uh, the reboot is about a decorated former Navy SEAL who is, hello, Thomas Magnum, a.k.a. And being played by Jay Hernandez, who returns home from Afghanistan and he kind of has to repurpose his military skills to become a PI in Hawaii. I, Dalton, at first was like, huh, another reboot. But then I saw who was directing it, and it is Justin Lin. For those who may not know, Justin Lin was the director of The Fast and the Furious 3 through 6. I think this dude is a stud, and I think it's going to be way more action-packed than cheesy 1970s-slash-80s. And I, once finding out that information, was actually really excited about it. Going to set my D and give it a shot. Similarly, in late rounds of drafts, for those of you who are still drafting, I'm feeling the same way about John Ross. Now, he's the second-year receiver in Cincinnati. He's had, admittedly, an up-and-down camp. He certainly struggled, but in week three, the the regular season dress rehearsal, if you will. He smoked Vontae Adams for a 57-yard touchdown, and it wasn't just a speed move. He had to work his way back to the ball and juke a couple of players. He now has my attention. Are you interested in recording more of John Ross yourself? Yeah, for sure. No, he, he looked good. And uh, who else are going to throw to after A.J. Green? I, I don't expect Eifert to stay healthy uh, a week. So Ross, you know, who's kind of, Outside of my radar, you know, when summer began, and now he's creeping up everyone's favorite sleeper uh, cheat sheets, and, and for very good reason. Okay, one more thing about John Ross, because obviously at the end of drafts, John Brown, who by all accounts has had an outstanding camp and has a similar skill set now in Baltimore, no longer in Arizona, has been one of those nice, uh, like a favorite late round flyer sleeper pick. Of the two, are you, would you lean more towards John Brown, knowing that he is more experienced, or towards John Ross, who has the fresher legs, which is obviously important when you're dealing with a speedster. You're talking to someone who foolishly had John Brown ranked very high last year, so I, I just can't, uh, I can't keep falling for him. So once a couple, he was like two years ago, he finished third in the NFL in yards per target, and he was young, you know, not even with the greatest quarterback play. So. I'm falling for, once again, the puff pieces in the summer. I know the sickle cell trait is there, and it may lead to more tissue injuries with him. But John Brown, I, Michael Crabtree is one of the most readily replaceable wide receiver ones in, in football. So I would not be surprised 
I, in fact, if Brown, John Brown stays healthy, I'd be surprised if he doesn't finish with more fantasy points than Crabtree. So, so give me, even though I like both, give me Brown over Ross. What about yourself, Liz? I agree with you. I'm moving towards experience over youth in this in this way because it's, Ross has it's, he's so unproven. He hasn't shown me he can do it yet, and Brown has obviously with huge durability risk. But when that's baked into his draft price, I don't mind it one bit. So we're on and the Flacco, same page. Flacco's, Flacco's strong arm is like a perfect fit too for Brown's speed. Yeah, and also. You know, Hayden Hurst, who was a tight end that they invested a lot in, is out. He's getting like a screw yep. put to his foot or something. So I do think that means immediately for Crabtree, who's proven to be a good red zone threat, that could mean more uh, more of those high-value targets in the red area of the field with Hurst hobbled. But I think you're right. In the long term, John Brown could definitely find some week-to-week -week consistency, which is a lot to say for a guy with such a boomer bust skill set. Yeah, I mean, if I want any piece of the Ravens' offense, it's to me, especially at their ADP, it is John Brown. All right, so let's move around to another show. Now, this is one, I it's called The Rookie, and it's starring Nathan Fillion, who was on that show Castle. He was the lead of that show Castle for a long time, but I think what made him very famous was Firefly. Did you ever watch Firefly? No, but my wife loves it. Okay, I, oh, that makes perfect sense. Your wife is kind of like a genre geek. Can we yep. say that? Yep, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I find all of this incredibly boring. Like another Nathan Fillion show, oh, let me yawn my way through the bio. Um, it's about a small town guy who wants to start over, but he's like over 40 and he has these dreams of being an LAPD officer. And so he comes in and has to like prove himself to the young guys and like, let me guess, he's really affable and earnest and he finds a way to achieve beyond his physical means. But I don't care. I'm so bored. I felt like this to me was the same as hearing Jeremy Hill beating out Mike Gillisley for the quote, big back role in New England. Yeah, Nathan Fillion, he's uh, got a funny role in Modern Family. I remember him from back in the day in Desperate Housewives. But uh, no, nah, this, this show I'm going to pass. So uh, no, no thanks for uh, the rookie. Jeremy Hill, on the other hand, you're talking to someone who has a, a lot of investment in, in Burkhead. So I hope uh, Hill stays on the sidelines. But clearly, he could. It, it, the path is, 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 is right there for him to be the big back in a New England offense that could score a ton of touchdowns. So absolutely one of the highest upside late round flyers. So Blunt, I would say in pure standard, zero PPR leagues, there's a point there. Blunt famously scored 18 right. touchdowns in 2016. But then when Mike Gillisley was drafted so high last year, expecting that plug and play production, it didn't work out. I'm going to set the over under on touchdowns for Hill at nine. Are you taking the over or the under? Oh, I'm, t I'm taking the under because Burkhead's still there. And I just think Burkhead's definitely going to be a factor. But I, I, I know he's never had more than 350 rushing yards. So, uh, But, it, I mean, if Hill became the main guy, he could blow that number out of the water. I mean, the thing with when Blunt did that, 11 of them came from the one-yard line. So it's just such a good situation in New England. They had 20 more touches by their running backs last year than the second-most team in the red zone. Uh, so it's just such a great situation. But I'm going to have to take the under on that number. Again, because the value is baked into that draft price. So why not? Sure. Makes sense. All right. Well, somebody else who has some interesting stats like Dalton just laid out is John Evans, who I spoke with a little earlier today. I am very excited to officially introduce this next guest to the Yahoo Fantasy audience. If you've been listening to the X's and Y's podcast over the last seven seasons, then you know that John Evans 
spoiler, that's who the guest is, has been my co-host and is one of the keenest fantasy minds in the game. He is going to be focusing on offensive lines, their health and how they affect various studs, either as we are going to do today during draft season or throughout the fantasy season. John, welcome to Yahoo officially. Oh, well, thanks, Liz. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. I'm excited to help everyone get this extra little added edge on their competition in their leagues because uh, offensive lines affect everything in terms of fantasy production. And we should try to follow what's going on there. And obviously, there's a big story in Dallas right now where two of the starters are Battling various conditions, obviously Travis Fredericks is more serious than Zach Martins, but uh, both of them are all pro players, and it's very troubling for fantasy gamers who are hoping to get a big season out of Zeke Elliott, that uh, Travis Frederick is, uh, has been diagnosed with a condition, a GBS, game bar syndrome, that may um, keep him out all season, potentially. And meanwhile, Zach Martin is facing a knee injury that doesn't look too serious, and we're hoping that he'll be back for week one. But obviously, if this vaunted line uh, doesn't produce the way it has in the past, uh, you know, this is not an offense that is really going to present a lot of other uh, threats for defenses to be worried about. And thus, if you stack the box against Dallas and they don't have a dominant offensive line, well, that could be bad news for Ezekiel Elliott. So where are you ranking Elliot now for those people who have yet to draft? Well, right now I am bumping him down a little bit, but I'm not absolutely freaking out. And that's because this is still a very deep group, a very talented group that is loaded. So, you know, one or two guys being out does not mean that we're starting street free agents here. Um, I think that For me, I'm only moving him down to 105 overall behind some combination of Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Antonio Brown. If you wanted to take Alvin Kamara over Elliott in PPR right now, I wouldn't argue with you. But I I really think that my stance at this moment is that this Dallas line will stabilize and give Elliott's massive workload enough opportunity to produce. Okay, so you are writing an article about this and a few other players that's going to post this week on Yahoo Fantasy, correct? That's right. I'm looking at three running backs whose offensive lines will have a lot to say about whether they really overperform or disappoint. Nice. Thank you, John. Dalton, what do you think of John being part of our crew this season? He's been doing absolutely fantastic work. It's great to see him joining the crew. You know, I, I did your guys' podcast years ago, so it, it's nice. It's, it's, it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, I, uh, I, by the way, I am going to ask you to do it again this week, but we'll talk about that offline. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I feel like if I can corner you here, maybe I've got a shot at it. So, Dalton, something people don't know about you is that you're a bit of a foodie. Would you admit to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not that sophisticated and I certainly can't cook, uh, very well, but, uh, yeah, I like nice, re- nice restaurants. Sure. Do you think that French laundry is a quote, nice restaurant? Well, I mean, you're bringing this up because I, I've recently went a couple months ago over the summer with my friends for best friends turned 40 years old. So a small group of us, uh, it took about two months to get reservations and it spent an ungodly amount of, of, of money. But, uh, yes, we went and I would consider that a, a pricey, uh, fine dining, uh, certainly a life experience. Are, are you, uh, debating this? Uh, well, I am because we went for my husband's 40th last summer and I felt like 
I was starving by the end of the meal. It's great that they can make mousse out of, I don't know, fish guts, but it doesn't exactly keep you full. And the problem, as I explained to you, was that the I drank the wine at a faster rate than the amount right. of food being given per, there's like 20 courses or something, but each course is like, I don't know, a handful of almonds. And so I was so drunk by the, I was like scarfing the food so, so because I couldn't enjoy it. But I ask you this because I want to play a game of quote worth it because to me, French laundry was not worth it when that bill came. Was it worth it to you? Oh, I, again, I would just say a once in a lifetime type experience for like someone's 40th. I would certainly not say uh, you should do that repeatedly. I mean, there was one substitution that we got that was this hen egg that had truffles and they brought out this briefcase of truffles and they wouldn't stop doing it. And it was an extra $200 for, for basically a poached egg. So if we want to talk overpriced, uh, that's about as, as, as much as it gets. So uh, once, once a lifetime type thing, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going to do it again, probably ever. Okay, but Dalton, there is a there is an Italian restaurant in Playa Vista that's like old school, owned by a Sicilian guy. They bring out, I put it on my Instagram stories, a whole bowl of truffles and will shave that stuff on your plate like for free. I, oh, the whole thing, like all the napkins. I stole like the napkin. I stole <laughs> the napkin holder because I was like, I'm going to, anything that is not nailed down in this place, I am getting because I want like a return on investment here. But I ask you this question in relation, in relation to fantasy football because we just heard John talk about the fact that the Cowboys offensive line has some problems but also has some depth. And he has only very, very minutely um, brought Zeke down in his rankings to 105 overall. Do you think that the fifth overall pick in a draft is worth it for Zeke given the O-line problems and the lack of field stretchers. It seems uh, just about right to me. I know back uh, when the, the Scott Fishbowl was going on, he was a, a guy going third, often ahead of David Johnson. And, and I think Johnson, are, there's a big three to me, clearly. And I'm more debating if Kamara should go in my four or Zeke. And right now I still have Zeke. Uh, but I'm taking running backs ahead of Antonio Brown. I, I've said that before. So that's right around where I would have Elliott. You get the, the negatives. There's really no one else there in Dallas. He might really have to carry the load. His 4.1 yards per carry last year is especially interesting when you look at Alfred Morris got 4.8 running right, in a similar situation. But obviously Elliott can play. He's going to be the bell cow, the, the red zone guy. So I can't really see him falling too much further. But obviously, uh, you know, the center dealing with a serious health issue, uh, those O-line concerns uh, are, are definitely uh, real. Yeah, I don't. I might have moved him down a little bit more. I do agree that I'm How taking running back ahead of wide receiver for what we talked about. How far? I don't know if it's that I'm moving him down so much as I'm moving Leonard Fournette up. Yeah. Because when I think about the Jacksonville offense and what I what they want to do and the shape that he is in heading into this season, I feel like Fournette could be a top five guy. So I'm actually moving Fournette ahead of Zeke. Kareem Hunt, and Melvin Gordon. No argument here whatsoever. Uh, yeah, there are question marks with all those guys, because even my guy Kamara, I mean, obviously, how much, how many carries can he get? And Saquon Barkley currently dealing with an injury. So Fournette, yeah, the injury concern is there, but if he really did dedicate himself, he's in the best shape. And they're going to throw to him, kind of an underrated aspect of his rookie year. He was not a bad receiver, so I could see them totally relying on him. They, they made the big uh, offensive uh, acquisition in the offseason at the line, so... I'm with you. I would not fault anyone for putting Fournette as high as fourth overall. Yeah, to me, he is definitely some fish guts moose, but also with a side of fries. Yeah, 
I, no argument here. <laughs> Do you like duck fat fries? I've never had them. Oh, but I yeah, think. yeah. There's a Michael Manor restaurant that has my favorite steak in, in, in Vegas and a strip steak, and that's what they serve before, duck fat fries. And yeah, they're good. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of duck. I like gamey, gamey food. I made a rack of lamb myself yesterday in the sous vide. I can't cook whatsoever, but the sous vide is like crazy. It's cooking for dummies, and uh, that was pretty good. But uh, anyway, yes, duck fat fries I'm a fan of. I want to talk more about sous vide because I don't understand it. You know, I don't cook. My husband does most of the cooking. Um, he enjoys it. He's like, but he's like a grill sous vide. I was thinking about getting him one of those for, for the holidays. So let's talk more about that. But before we do that offline, I want to talk about Josh Gordon. You know that Brad Evans has his man crush on him. I kind of appreciate that Josh Gordon sat out hard knocks on HBO since returning or stating that he was going to return to camp, his ADP has jumped, which makes sense. He is now going 4.05 overall, the wide receiver 20 in half point PPR. Worth it or not? That's not, listen, I love the guy. And if you name, if you have you named one single player in the NFL this year, I'm most excited to watch. I would probably say it's Josh Gordon. I mean, what he did at the quarterback play at the age he was and what in 14 games leading the league in receiving yards, just ridiculous. Uh, even last year with poor, poor quarterback play, his yard per route run was through the roof, but there are just so many question marks. I have him more like the 25th receiver on my board. And, and I understand why people are so aggressive because of that upside, but with Jarvis Landry there and Joku, uh, the situation, I, who knows it's going to quarterback, although I'm really high on Mayfield uh, long-term. To me, that's a little too high. What about yourself, Liz? I have him wide receiver 15. I think it's I, worth it. I will I'm believe totally it. fine with it. I really won't argue, man. The guy, the guys could just be a monster. Well, I, and I sort of also, I should say, have a philosophy when playing fantasy. That is, I am either going to finish first or last. I am never going to come in sixth. My None of my leagues have a last place punishment unless they're a charity league in which I'm happy to donate the money anyway. So I would rather just boom or bust than have a season where I've, you know, had a bunch of Pierre Garçons do just fine for me and got to like, I don't know, fifth place or something. Yeah, I'm totally normally that way nine times out of 10 in fantasy football. But for whatever reason, I'm, I'm airing more on the side of caution with Gordon in my rankings. Well, I, and I appreciate that honesty. I mean, that's, why people have to decide. I will totally admit that Josh Gordon at 15 is aggressive. So I don't mind, I wouldn't mind getting him at wide receiver 20 based on different, you know, I have to look at my roster construction and see what other upside guys I drafted ahead of him and balance it out accordingly. But if you don't like volatile play, then don't draft him because that's what you're going to get. So um, Marquise Goodwin, though, he's a guy that you and I have talked about a lot. His ADP has shot up as well when seeing his connection with Jimmy G and, frankly, his development as a route runner. I mean, he's gone from just being a track star to a real football player. He is now going 5.08 overall, the 25th wide receiver off the board in half-point PPR leagues. Do you think that's too high, even as a 49ers fan, or is he worth it? No, that's underpriced. I mean, he is just out, outplayed uh, Pierre Garçon. Pierre Garçon, it, it's funny. People are saying, oh, they finally made a connection with Jimmy G, and he made like a nice 35-yard catch in their, the team's third preseason game. But that was targeted to Goodwin, and Garçon was just in the right place at the, at the right time. Even he admitted afterwards. So 
Uh, Goodwin's the, the guy, as long as he can avoid those concussions, he does have six of those in his history at least. But, man, yards per route run last year, I think he finished top top 20. I think he was 16th. And that was with a, you know, a third of the games being quarterback by the C.J. Bethards of the world. So uh, that, that's a problem. Uh, and, and that's a problem that's been solved with, with Jimmy G quarterbacking and, and year two in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So I think Marquise Goodwin is going to be a top 20 fantasy wide receiver conservatively. You have him, you and Brad have him ranked the most aggressively amongst the Yahoo consensus. I have him as my wide receiver 29. So my only issue with Goodwin, I totally understand all of the points that you're making. And Garcon clearly has some ground to gain in this situation. To me, it's the red zone potential. Like he is not a red zone threat. I know he finally came down with one, what I think week 14 or 15 last season, I saw him get laid out in week 17 against the Rams second stringers. I'm just worried about the concussions. And also once George Kittle is back in, assuming he can stay healthy, admittedly, that's an assumption where his touchdowns going to come from. Yeah. So weird thing about Goodwin. So he had, I believe 11 targets in the end zone last year and uh, among, uh, and he had none of them were secured. You can look at that two ways. Either he's going to regress and he's going to score more touchdowns because like anyone who's had more, then seven targets there had at least three catches. So, wow, that's really going to regress. Or you can look at it as he's five foot nine. He's not good there and they're going to avoid throwing it to him. So I can definitely see the touchdowns, uh, the path there. It's going to take some from far out, but here's a guy with Olympic track star speed. He and Jimmy G have stayed extensively after practice all summer working on that deep ball. And I just think the connection is going to be, you know, right there with, uh, you know, Mahomes and Tyree Kill, Jimmy G Goodwin. Those are going to be the two funnest deep connections this year. Yeah, so I think I would like to pay, I think he's a high-end flex or high-end wide receiver three. You think he's a bona fide wide receiver two. So there's Definitely. a little, I mean, if he falls a little bit, if he fell to like the beginning of the sixth round, I would take him. But in the fifth, even at the end, uh, middle of the fifth, it's a little too pricey for me. So, but there you have it. I mean, Dalton's following the team. He lives in Northern California, season ticket holder, I believe, to the San Francisco 49ers. Is that correct? Uh, yes, we are. Yeah, so he watches a lot of him. Decide who you want to believe. Uh, James White, speaking of decide who you want to believe, there's a carousel we talked about with Jeremy Hill a little bit earlier of running backs in New England. This is the way it always goes. Sony Michelle reportedly coming back from that knee injury, hitting the practice field. Talked about Rex Burkhead extensively. James White, though, is available in the 10th round of fantasy drafts right now. He's the 46th running back coming off the board. Is he worth it at that price? Not for me. I have him about 15 spots lower right now, even though I could, he's fine. He'll probably will finish right around there. I just see as far as range of outcomes, his is not very wide. There's not much upside here. I mean, even Burkhead can catch the ball. Michelle, you mentioned it, obviously the touchdowns. Uh, the guy would never, even if there were two injuries in that backfield, he would not get that many more touches. So to me, his uh, his floor is, is fine if he stays healthy, but his ceiling is very, very limited. So I have him ranked below this. I have him right there. I have him as my RB48 overall. He's the RB46 off the board. So to me, this is about right for James White. You don't know if he's going to be saved until the playoffs, what his usage uh, is going to look like. And you're really depending on an injury to one or both of the other running backs. Yeah, let me say more. There's like context here. If it's a deeper PPR league and you're just, you absolutely uh, need some flex spots, for sure bump him up. But to me, if it's a shallower league, take backup running backs like Corey Clement, Corey Grant, uh, James Conner, uh, Alfred Morris. <laughs> Guys like that uh, have higher long-term upside than a James White. 
That's an interesting point. I like that you mentioned Alfred Morris. Let's scoot back a second. Are you believing in Burita or Morris? Right now, honestly, uh, I know it sounds crazy, but if I had to pick one of them on my fantasy team, I'd pick Morris. He looked really good in that game, and he, this is his best two years of his career were under Kyle Shanahan back in Washington. I know he doesn't play special teams or catch the ball, uh, but those other two running backs are injured. I mean, McKinnon's never been a workhorse. Uh, Alfred Morris just looks so good. I know it was a preseason game, but uh, again, he gets a guy that got 4.8 yards per carry last year when Elliott got 4.1. So, yeah, I know it's crazy after this one game. Uh, but I would take Morris as my backup in San Francisco. And there's obvious familiarity with Kyle Shanahan's scheme, which is the thing that is so hard. That's like there's a barrier to entry with Shanahan's offense is the complexity of what he does. Yeah, he averaged 1,450 yards and, and, and totaled 20 touchdowns in two seasons together in Washington. I mean, so he was like an elite, elite fantasy back back then when they were together. I dig it. I, I agree with you on that point. Let's end things with uh, with a tight end. He looks a little bit like Superman, but the question is, can he return on a fairly super investment? It's Greg Olson. He is the fifth tight end coming off of the board in the sixth round, beginning of the sixth round. These are 12-team exercises. Thoughts on uh, Greg Olson being worth it or not? Yeah, I don't have much of a take here other than that seems just about right. And I can't really see a take either way. I mean, you have the big three, obviously. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, McCaffrey's going to be more involved and Olsen's getting up there in age. But there are so many other question marks below him. I mean, Jimmy Graham, Walker, Rudolph, uh, similar question marks. I can see a Trey Burton more upside going aggressive there. But otherwise, Olsen seems to be going uh, pretty much exactly where he should be. I have him as my tight end seven. This is a little bit too pricey for me. Again, just in drafting tight ends, in general, I'm not interested in the sixth round grabbing one because I me feel neither. like I yeah. hit other positions, right? So he's not worth it to me in that respect. Also, the team has this young guy named Ian Thomas who has looked good and they're reportedly in love with. And it's a lot to ask Greg Olson at his age to come back to his 2016 and, you know, previous to that beyond form, um, especially when they have his replacement waiting in the wings. I feel similarly about Delaney Walker. I don't want either of these veteran tight ends because I think that their eventual replacements are incredible athletes with huge ceilings. Totally with you on the tight end strategy. Give me one of the big three and, and probably not even that because I already said Gronk, you know, second round pick, no thanks. So then I'm waiting on the position totally. Give me the upside guys in Joku, OJ Howard, Ben Watson, Ricky Seals-Jones, Vance McDonald, those guys later. I like OJ Howard a lot this season too. And we like our listeners a whole lot. And if you like us, please subscribe to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review, some stars, preferably five. Spread the word on social media. Follow us at Yahoo Fantasy. You can follow me personally at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Dalton at... I'm at Dalton Del Don. Thank you so much. And we'll be back with a midweek show. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.